I'm going to talk about um, discernment today, and this is something that um, all of us need to learn, um, because it is important that we know what to do and when to do it. But before I start, I'd like to read you something from the Word of God. I'm reading you from Proverbs chapter 2. This is the first time I think I've ever read from Proverbs. Um, listen, it's very nice. My son, the Bible is prejudiced, so let me correct that. My son and my daughter, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless, for he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and fair, every good path. For wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will protect you and understanding will guard you. This, my brothers and sisters, is the word of the Lord. We all need discernment. We're all faced with different choices in life. We all encounter different situations. We all hear sometimes this tiny voice whispering in our head. And we need to know whether that voice belongs to God, it belongs to the devil, or it belongs to our own spirit. And discernment is how we make the right choice take the right decision and understand who is talking to us. Like I said, every one of us faces choices. School children, the moment they leave school, they have to decide what they have to study next. After they graduate from college, they need to decide what kind of a job they have to take. Young women and young men need to decide at a certain point in their life whether they should get married and whom they should get married to. After they get married, very often they decide when to have a child and how many children to have. And very often, after a few years of being married, they get tired of each other, and then they have to decide whether to stay with each other or get divorced, or maybe have an affair. Now, these are real choices I'm talking about because we live in a real world, facing real problems. If you are a priest who is redecorating his church, and you decide to have a sculpture that is very modern, you have a congregation who might be very confused or even might be very upset, and they need to decide what to do, and the priest also needs to decide what he should do. Sounds familiar, the last one? Okay, I kind of figured. Right through our life, there are choices that we have to make. There are situations that we have to face. Now, a lot of the answers can be found in the Holy Word of God. But even over there, very often things are confusing. If you read the Old Testament, for instance, you'll find God saying, it is okay, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But when it comes to Jesus, he says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, offer him the other. 
You find the Bible speaking totally negatively about lies, and yet we find the prostitute Rahab is honored for her faith because she lied to the enemy. We find Jesus telling us on one side not to judge, or we will be judged, and on the other side, we find Paul saying that every spiritual person needs to judge. So how do we decide when to do and what to do? Fortunately, I have a few suggestions for you here today, and if you pay attention, you might leave over here knowing what to do in a given situation. The first thing that you could possibly do is to seek the gift of discernment. Now, all of you know the Holy Spirit, yes? The Holy Spirit is one of the greatest gifts of God. But when he comes into our life, he comes with gifts of his own. Four huge bagfuls. You have the Isaiah gifts of sanctification, which you'll find in Isaiah chapter 11. You'll find the charismatic gifts of manifestation, which you'll find in 1 Corinthians 12. You'll find the gifts of service, which you'll find in Romans chapter 12 and right through the Bible. And you'll find the gift of fruitfulness that you will find in Galatians chapter 5. Now among the charismatic gifts, these are the gifts of healing and miracles and tongues and interpretation of tongues. You've heard of them? There is one gift called the gift of discerning spirits. And if you get this gift, basically you'll be able to tell when you're faced with an evil spirit or when you're faced with the Holy Spirit. Now one very famous example can be found in the book of Acts. There was this man called Simon. Do you know how many Simons there are in the New Testament? Anyone wants to guess? One, two, three. How many? Three? Five? Five going once, five going twice. <laughs> There are actually nine Simons in the New Testament. And it'll be good exercise for you to go and find out who these nine Simons were. Anyway, we're not concerned about eight of them now. We're concerned about one. He was called Simon the Sorcerer, and he was a powerful magician. He used to boast a lot, telling everybody, I'm this dude. And everybody used to watch the great tricks he used to perform and say, yes, indeed, he's a dude. Until one day, Philip walked into this town of Samaria, where... Simon the sorcerer used to do his tricks and he spoke to everyone about Jesus and everyone believed in Jesus and got baptized including Simon the sorcerer. Now the other apostles heard about this wonderful thing that was happening in Samaria so they sent Peter and John and Peter and John go and talk to the people about Jesus and the Holy Spirit and then they lay their hands on the people and the Holy Spirit comes upon them in great power and then Simon the sorcerer tells Peter, hey, this is a really cool gift. Give it to me. I will pay whatever you want for it. And Peter scolded him and says, you dare? You horrible man, you bad creature, you dare to think you can buy a gift of God with money? And then he says to the man, you are filled with bitterness and there is no good inside you. And when Peter said these words, he was operating under the gift of discerning spirits which basically told him that this man who was asking for the gift of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit was not really from God and what was wrong inside him. We find this gift also being exercised by Peter in Acts chapter 5 when Ananias and Sapphira, you know them? 
they came to Peter and Peter said, you are evil. We find this gift also being exercised in Acts chapter 16 when Paul is in Philippi. And he's followed by this woman who says, behold, there goes the servant of the Most High God. Until finally, Paul got fed up of her and said, demon, get out. And instantly, the devil left the woman. Now, this is the gift of discerning spirits. And it is a wonderful gift to have. But if you don't have it, the second best thing to do is to learn from those who have the gift of discernment. And those who have the gift of discerning spirits also have the gift of deciding what is right and what is wrong, what is good and what is bad. Scripture also says, I think it is Hebrews 4.12, no 5.12, says those who are mature in the Lord, those who are mature in the Lord are able to, through experience and training, tell what is right from what is wrong. And you basically need to do something like that if you don't have the gift yourself. Now, how does this work? I see a man with a video camera over there. That handsome man is Royal there. Say hi to everyone, Royal. <laughs> Let us imagine that you get a video camera like that on your birthday. You should be so lucky. That's an expensive piece of equipment, by the way. Now, you have a choice. Actually, you have many choices. One is you can say, thank you, look at the video camera, and put it in the cupboard. Or you can put it on a stand, put it on automatic mode, and just shoot everything you see. Fine. But a sophisticated camera like that can't be used to great power, to great effect. And that will take a little effort. But you need to learn to see how it works. And after you've figured out how it works, you can get lighting to it. See what Roll has done. We never used to have this until two weeks ago. Lighting to make sure the picture quality is better. Now, from a man like that who continues to learn how to use the video camera, there is a lot that you can learn as well. Similarly, from people, from people who know how to discern spirits, from people who know how to discern good from bad, from people who know how to discern right from wrong, there are a lot of things that you can learn even from their mistakes. I had my <clears throat> first experience of listening to the voice of the devil in Porta. Uh, this is a very embarrassing story. I've shared this with some of you in the meeting last Friday. But the rest of you might find yourself very amused. I was a new Christian, okay, and I'd gone for this retreat in South India. And it was an extraordinary retreat in the sense a lot of wonderful things were happening to me. On the second day of the retreat, I got powerfully anointed by the Holy Spirit. The third day, something else happened. On the fourth day, there was a woman standing on the podium speaking about the gifts of the Spirit, not coincidentally. And I was sitting over there listening to her with great attention when I suddenly heard this voice in my head saying, Anil, I need to say something urgently to my people. Please tell this woman that you have to speak instead of her. And I said, who's this? This is God. Oh, oh God, how can you expect me to do this? You know, there were a thousand people in that auditorium and this woman is talking and I said no way am I getting up and God is saying are you disobeying me no I'm not disobeying you but come on how do you expect me to get up and interrupt the speaker over there and then I heard it Anil this is God I'm giving you a direct command are you daring to be disobedient and I you know full of reluctance I don't want to disobey God I don't want to displease him I stood up 
And the moment I stood up, the woman on the stage turned to me and said, You sit down! And I am telling you, my God, I wish I was a bone on the floor. I wish I was anything but present in that room. I've never been so embarrassed in my life. You know, and I didn't hear a single word she said after that because I think I was just feeling so bad. And after the talk was over, one of my friends, I'd made a few friends over there, came and said, Anil, what was that all about? And I told him, you know, I was sitting over there and I heard God say to me, he had something to say to his people. So I stood up and she told me to sit down. And he told me something that I never forget. He said, Anil, you're a baby in the Lord. It's not even been two months since you've come to him. That lady over there has been in the Lord for 25 years. If God really wanted you to say something, he would have told her to invite you, you know? The person who spoke to you was not God, he was the devil. And from that moment onwards, I was very careful every time I hear a voice in my head. Why? Because I started to make sure that it really was God who was talking to me. And the devil made a big mistake then. Why? He should have just shut up. And let me think that it was God until one fine moment slapped me on the face with him, you know. But he made a mistake and the mistake was revealing himself to me like that. Because ever since that day, I have been very careful about the voices that I hear in my head. And this is advice to you also because you never know who's talking to you. It could be God, but there's an equal chance it is the devil. And there's a greater chance still that it is you yourself, your human spirit, who wants you to do something pretending to be God. So you need to be careful. There are a lot of things I've learned since that fateful day. And one is that God is never impatient. If you have a voice telling you to do something and do it now, there's a good chance that is the devil because he's always impatient. God, on the other hand, is prepared to wait. He will tell you and he will wait. He will wait. God will also give you confirmation for every message that he sends to you, right? A few months afterwards, I could hear this voice saying again, Anil, I need you to leave everything and follow me. And once again, I said, hey, God, I don't know if this is you or not, but I can't do this, you know? I have a wife, I have two children to look after. But this voice persisted, Anil, you need to follow me. Then finally, I couldn't take it anymore. I said, um, I can't do this, I really can't do this. And then God said, look, if you say no to me, I'm going to find somebody else. This was too much. So I said, okay, Lord, I'm coming, but I need a sign from you that this truly is you telling me uh, to do this. And I asked him to send me somebody from Catholic ministry to tell me that truly God was calling me to full-time mission. That week, before that week was over, he didn't send just one person. He sent three people from Catholic ministry telling me without my asking them that God was calling me to mission. So this is how you learn from those who are able to discern. But even over here, you have to be careful about those you're listening to, right? Which brings me to the third thing. How do you know that the person you're listening to is truly from God or not. Now this is something I've spoken about so many times, you should be able to quote me by heart. What does God say? Beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. They come to you making ba, 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 but inside they're going, ah, you know, right? But he teaches us how to recognize them. How does, what does he say? By 
They fruit, you will recognize them. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. So if you have a preacher over here, standing here, talking to you beautifully about love, but the moment he leaves over here, he's anything but loving. What is he? False prophet. Okay? Now I want to ask you about another Simon. Now all of you know this Simon. He's a Simon who, you know, motor mouth Simon. He's a guy foot and mouth Simon. You know which Simon I'm talking about? Which Simon? Peter. Good. Don't be afraid. No wrong answers over here. Was Peter a false prophet or a true prophet? True prophet, everyone says true, raise your hand. You better raise your hand because if you don't raise your hand, means you think Peter was a false prophet. Okay, everyone thinks Peter is a true prophet. Good, put your hands down. How many of you think Peter was a false prophet? Raise your hand. Okay, nobody, good, good. I'm going to tell you a story about Peter, okay? One day Jesus went to the apostles and he said to them, what do people say I am? And one of them said, some say you're John the Baptist, some others say you're Elijah, others say you're Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. And then Jesus said to them, who do you say I am? And then Peter, Motomoth Peter, opens his mouth and says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, good, you're really blessed because only God in heaven could have told you that. Wonderful, isn't it? Peter is so blessed. You know what happens in the very next paragraph? Jesus tells them he's going to die. He says, you know, people are going to take me, they're going to torture me, you know, they're going to put me on a cross. Peter calls Jesus aside and rebukes him and says, no, no, this should never happen. You know, you cannot die. And then Jesus turns to him and says, get thee behind me. Satan, what happened? Here's the man. Two minutes back, he's blessed and now he's Satan. Right? What happened? The lesson over here is that even men of God can sometimes speak in the spirit and sometimes speak in the flesh. Are you listening to me carefully? Which means the next time you go to a retreat, how many of you go for retreats? I know most of you do. And how many of you go to counselors after the retreat? I know most of you do. And you go to the counselor and you ask him a question. And whatever stupid thing the counselor might say to you, you believe. True? Whatever right thing the counselor also said, you must believe. Because they could be equally right or not. Now listen to me very carefully. The person who's giving you the advice might very well think that he's giving you sound advice. But it is up to you. It is your responsibility to discern whether the words that he is saying are truly from the Spirit of God or not from the Spirit of God. John in his first letter warns us, he says, you need to test the spirits to make sure that you're listening to the right one. Paul also says in his letter to the Galatians, even if an angel from heaven comes down and tells you something that is not from the word of God, do not believe him. So you need to be careful about who you're listening to. Many of you come to me for advice, and honestly, I try to give you the best counsel that I can give you. But listen to me very, very carefully. If I tell you something, it is your responsibility to check out what I am saying to make sure whether it is accurate or not. Your responsibility. 
You go to any alleged anointed man of God and listen to him, it is your responsibility to test what he is saying. And how do you test it out? That brings me to the fourth point. You verify it through scripture, through the word of God. Acts chapter 17 verse 11 speaks about the Berians being of more noble character than the Thessalonians. Because they heard every single thing the apostles told them. They received it with great joy. But then they went home and they checked to see in scripture if what the apostles taught them was right or not. How many of you do that? You come over here, you listen to preachers. I know you listen. I'm, some of them are great preachers. No? Yes? How many of you go back and you check in scripture whether the beautiful things that you hear the preachers saying are indeed true or not? You need to do that. You need to do that. Nope. 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 The only person you trust is God and what he says in his word. Regardless of who stands in front of you and regardless of how anointed the person who stands in front of you seems. Are you listening to me? This is good advice. I have to give you good advice. This doesn't mean you kind of, you know, you go back to scripture, check the scripture and say, you're right on the ball. Which brings me to one more thing I forgot to mention earlier. I meet a lot of people every day. Yeah, a lot of people every day. Some people are on the level. Some people are not on the level. How do you discern? Over the years, you've learned so many things to look for when people come to you. And while somebody might come to you and say, Anil, you're a good preacher, the moment someone starts to flatter you, my guard goes up. You know, they start talking about what an excellent diction I have and what flowery words I use and the power in my voice and the way I can... They go on blah, blah, blah. And I start to, oops, this is getting dangerous. And the more they continue, the more I go back. And this is something also that you need to keep in mind. Be aware of people who flatter you because they usually do that for their own gain. Right? It's like Simon the sorcerer. Yeah, I'm sure he tried to butter up the apostles before he said, give me the Holy Spirit. Give me this power. So you need to be careful of that. Now we're looking at scripture and we come to something very confusing, something we spoke about earlier. What did we speak about? The contradictions in scripture. Jesus says, if someone slaps you on one cheek, offer him the other. I'm not going to ask her to slap me. God says, said, if someone hits you in one eye, you hit him back in the eye. If someone breaks your tooth, you break his tooth. How do you reconcile these differences? In the Old Testament, God says you cannot eat pork. In the New Testament, Jesus says you eat anything you want. Seriously, which is good for Christians who like pork. I do. In the New Testament itself, Jesus says, judge and you will be judged. And then Paul says, if you truly want to show yourself to be spiritual, you've got to judge everything. How do you reconcile all these things? From scripture itself. Now you remember those four bags of gifts I spoke about? One of the bags has some wonderful gifts, gifts that are described by the prophet Isaiah. 
We heard about in yesterday's first reading, for those of you who went to church and remember, the gifts of wisdom and understanding, counsel and might, knowledge and a fear of God and piety. Now out of these seven gifts, there are three gifts that really help us in discernment. One, knowledge. Two, understanding. And three, wisdom. Knowledge is important for everyone. The more you know about something, the better you can come to a judgment, right? Let us imagine, for instance, that I have appendicitis. All of you know what appendicitis is? And I go to a doctor who's a quack. A quack is a guy who's basically just a doctor in name. He's not really studied much, and he doesn't really know much. And he examines you and says you have an ulcer, right? Now he's making his diagnosis based on the knowledge that he has. But if he operates you for an ulcer, there's a good chance you might die because the diagnosis is wrong. His understanding is wrong. Now let us imagine that you go to a qualified doctor, someone who's gone to a good medical school, someone who's studied hard, someone who's learned a lot about medical science. He examines you and he comes to the diagnosis, the correct diagnosis, the understanding that you have appendicitis, right? Now that he's diagnosed you correctly, it comes to the third option that he exercises, the wisdom. If he's qualified to do the surgery, he will do the surgery himself, or he will recommend you to somebody else. Do you understand how it works? The knowledge, the understanding, and the wisdom. Let's instance, you're already in college, right? Anyone in school here? About to go to college? He's too small for that. You are? All right. When I was in, coming out from school, in India at that time, people used to do only five things. They either go for medicine or engineering, or they'd go into one of the degree schools, science, arts, or commerce. That's it. Right? It is stupid. I think about it now, and I think how stupid that thing was, because India had a catering, the place I was in Bombay had a catering college. I loved cooking. I could have gone there. Right? India, Bombay had a lot of technical schools. I'm kind of good with my hands. I could have gone over there and learned a good trade, right? Um, Pune had a film and TV industry. I always wanted to make movies. I could have gone there. But my knowledge was limited to these five things, engineering, medicine. I disqualified these because there was too much of hard work. I didn't want to do any hard work at all. So it was a toss-up between science, commerce, and arts, okay? And I took science, and I took science because I took three subjects that were art subjects that didn't have any practicals at all. So I took this, the stupidest choices because I didn't have the knowledge. Now, if I had the knowledge, I'd have said, look, I'm leaning towards, you know, movies. I'd love to make movies, you know. Why look at Rose standing over there? You know, he's making movies more than I've made. Yeah, but that's because I didn't exercise understanding all wisdom in the right way. Now, when it comes to scripture also, you know, what we need is knowledge. I'm going to take a very simple example. Let us say all of you, are you getting bored? No, no. Sure? Sure. Okay, good. Let us imagine the only scripture you know is Matthew 7, 7. What does it say? Open your Bibles. Okay, don't, don't. Ask and you will receive. Every Christian knows this. Even Christians who don't know any other word, ask and you will receive. Okay, so they go to God and say, God, I have this huge list. Yeah, if your knowledge is limited only to that verse, there's a chance you're going to get very upset with God because he's not going to listen to anything you ask him for. I've asked him for a Harley Davidson. I still don't see any sign of it. So I moved to a Ducati now. There's still no sign of it. Anyway, never mind all of that. 
Now let us assume that your knowledge expands a little bit to cover Matthew 6.33, which says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And it covers John 15.7, which says, If you remain in me and my word remains in you, ask whatever you wish. Now you go, ah, I see understanding. You see understanding? I see. This is not an unqualified promise. You have to fulfill some conditions. What are the conditions? Seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Let God remain in you and his word remain in you. And then God will answer whatever you, will give you whatever you ask for. Now what is God's kingdom? More knowledge. See how you start to seek more knowledge. I wish all school kids, I mean you can tell the principals that, actually took a year off and started working somewhere. Why? Because while they're working, they will discover what they truly want to do. You know, instead of just going and studying something that they probably will never use in their lives again. Right? When you work, you discover what you need. And over here, when you start to read the Word of God, you discover what you need. So what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is Jesus. And what is righteousness? The righteousness is the righteousness of Jesus. Let us imagine this handsome man over here is Jesus. I think Jesus had more hair than he did, but never mind. I discover the kingdom of heaven when I discover Jesus. And I discover his righteousness when I discover what he's done for me. That all my sins, I can do whatever I want. I can be the best person on earth. I'm still going to be a sinner until I discover his righteousness, that he died for my sake. Okay? Now let us imagine this beautiful suit is his righteousness. Can you take off that suit, please? Funny, but never mind. Now I have the righteousness of God. And as long as I am in Jesus, as long as I'm wearing Jesus, as long as his word is in me, God will do whatever I ask him to do. But now that I'm in Jesus, I get the wisdom to ask him only for those things that he wants me to ask him for. Do you understand? If you understand, clap your hands. <laughs> Do you want your jacket back? I'll just keep it. It is, thank you. Let's put our hands together for our brother Joseph. How do you understand what God said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and Jesus seeming to contradict him. When you start to get more knowledge about God and his love and scripture, you realize that God is not actually saying to beat someone up, to break someone's tooth if they break your tooth. God is saying to you, I know how terrible you guys are. I know if someone hurts you in one eye, you want to go and forget Hurt him both the eyes, you want to break his tooth, smash him on the head. But God was saying, isn't that true? Yes, good. What God is saying over here is no. If someone hits you in one eye, all you can do if you want to extract justice is to hit him back in the eye, but that's it. Which means you cannot take more than you have received. Do you understand now? And what God is saying is, stop this even. Don't even go to extract, exercise justice. If someone hits you in one eye, say, go on, hit me in the other. Instead of seeking revenge and vengeance. Do you understand?
and see once you get this understanding, you have the wisdom to act in the way that God wants you to act. Do you have the part about judgment? Judge and you will be judged. Jesus is not saying, do not judge others. You know what he says over here? If you see a speck in somebody's eye, take the speck out from your eye first. Then you will be able to judge. And listen to this. You need to imagine this. This is when wisdom comes in. If you have a speck in your eye, have you ever had a speck in your eye? You've had one, sure. What have you done? If you're typical, you've gone to a friend and ask that person to help you take the speck out of your eye because it is very difficult to, you know? Have you tried it? Putting your finger, you don't do that. You go to a friend and say, I need your help because whenever we have a speck in our eye, whenever we are struggling with sin, we cannot do it alone. We need somebody else. And when we have taken somebody's help to take the speck out of own eye, we are most sympathetic towards somebody else with a speck in their eye. And if my sister here has a speck in her eye, I will go to her and with gentleness, not harshness, with gentleness, I will help her to remove the speck from her eye. Do you understand me? This is the mercy we need to have. This is the compassion we need to have. And all this comes from knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. When it was time for Solomon to rule, God came to him and said, ask for whatever you wish, thinking that Solomon will ask for power, ask for fame, ask for money. Solomon instead said, all I need is wisdom and knowledge so that I can rule my people fairly and with discernment. The prophet James says, if any of you lack wisdom, all you need to do is ask God and he will give you abundantly. We don't ask God for wisdom. We ask him for more money. No, we ask him for, I don't know. We ask him for everything but wisdom. Yeah, and that itself shows how foolish we are. So today we're going to go home and you're going to sit with God and you say, God, you said that if we ask you for wisdom, you're going to give us wisdom. I want to be wise. And then I want to read your word and I want it all to make sense to me. And when it starts to make sense, absolutely phenomenal things happen, right? The final thing that a lot of people don't consider, common sense. Have you heard of common sense? Sometimes we think spirituality and common sense are two different things altogether. You know, like some, somebody sometimes comes and says, um, brother, I have these two girls I like. You know, um, both of them are sweet, um, but I don't know which one to marry. Are there any single girls here who want to get married? Can you please stand? She's embarrassed, so I'm going to make her stand up. Can you please stand? Okay. Stand up, stand up. One nice pretty girl over here who wants to get married. Nala? <laughs> stand, stand over there only. Stand over there. Now imagine both of them are pretty. They are. Both of them are nice, they are. Both of them are loving, they are. Both of them are God-fearing, they are. The only thing is, I like her ten times more than I like her. And I come to God and say, who should I marry? God should hit you on the head, really. <laughs> Duh! I mean, seriously, you know? I like her more. My heart leans towards her. So, please, will you marry me? 
Thank you. I truly like your book. Sit down, sit down. You know, it is... Sometimes you go to the market um, and you want to buy fruit. You know, and you can't decide whether to buy apples or oranges. Does anyone have an apple here? No, it's too much to expect someone to carry an apple all the time. Oh, you have an apple. Wow. Thank you. Beautiful, isn't it? <laughs> all right. I have an apple over here. Be an apple tree for me. Does anyone have an orange here? No, that is good. Where? No oranges. Anyway, never mind. Where's the orange? It's no orange. <laughs> hey, come stand here. Give me an orange tree. Okay. I go to the market and I can't decide whether to buy apples or oranges. And I go to God and say, God, what should I decide to buy? Should I buy one kilo of apples or one kilo of oranges? Once again, he feels like hitting on the head because you don't like oranges. You know, you love only apples. You don't like those stupid seeds you get in oranges. And you like apples. So you go to God and you say, what should I choose? Come on. Seriously. Your heart tells you that you like apples. Buy apples. Common sense. We break our heads about God. What is your will for me? God, what do I need to do? And we pray, Lord, apples, oranges. What is your will? What do you want me to buy, Lord? <laughs> he should say, buy oranges. Just for that. Thank you, sister. You can keep this apple if you like. I want to give you a live demonstration now of discernment, okay? I have with us a lovely lady from Hyderabad. Um, she's saying, no. Right? Um, she's the one who organized my trip in Hyderabad. And she's the one I told you about who didn't trust me when I went there. I tell everything. <laughs> anyway. I called her over here because I feel she will be able to start um, an HSI branch in Hyderabad, okay? Now, I told her not to decide because she has an option of getting married, right? Presumably, yes. Any single men here? Good looking? Nice? Tall? Okay, never mind. Uh, that's for later, okay? All the good looking men. I'm sorry. Yeah, me too. Okay, so she has an option of getting married, um, and I think she wants that in her mind. I know that despite whatever Paul says here, also you come to contradiction, he tells everybody to remain single. Um, yeah, uh, speaking of which, I know an interesting joke. I'll tell you about this later. Uh, this is a true story, by the way. Anyway, I'll come back to that afterwards. Um, God wants us to have a companion. You know, he created all these things on five days, and he said everything is good. But when he made man, he didn't say it was good till he made woman. Yeah, women should get a big kick out of that because you're what made man good. So anyway, <laughs> right? So presumably it is God's will for her to get married. But it's also God's will for us to serve him, right? So I told her, before you decide, you need to have, what are the three things I spoke about? Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. The first thing you need is knowledge. Right? So you come over here, you meet our people, find out what we do, get all the knowledge you need about our ministry and how it works. And once you understand right, what it is that we do, how we operate, 
then you exercise the wisdom that God has given you in choosing what God's will is for you. Right? So hopefully in two weeks, she will know either way what God's plans for her are. Now if you know her heart, all her questions have been answered satisfactorily and there are no more queries in her mind about what she needs to do as far as starting HSI over that. She can go ahead. One conflict might be what happens if she gets married. Well, even if she gets married, there is no reason she has to do one and not the other. You follow? But this is how you work. You use discernment in your life. And thank you for coming. In anything that you do, this is the way you start to do it. Knowledge first. Accumulate as much information as you can. Get to a proper understanding of what this is all about, what is required of you, and then use the wisdom that God has given you to take a decision. Whether it is the school that you're going to go to, whether it is a college or the subjects you're going to take there, whether it is the person you're going to marry. And as long as you don't have a choice between what is sinful and what is not, like in an example I gave you earlier, right? There's a woman considering when to have a child and how many children to have. That should not be a person's choice. That should be God's choice. Later on, a person's bored on the marriage and is considering adultery. I had a person who came and visited me last week and actually said, I'm in this affair and I don't even consider it sinful anymore. And I didn't say anything because um, sometimes I find it difficult to say things to people that are obvious to everyone. But when the choice comes between discerning from what is right and what is not, it always has to be what God says is right. Okay? Good.